Welcome to School Mental Health Works, a quick dip monthly podcast presenting dialogues on school mental health in Wisconsin as viewed through the lens of the array of stakeholders who play a role in the comprehensive model of school mental health services in Wisconsin. Our mission is to share the success and challenges experienced by a range of partners in Wisconsin as communities continue to collaborate and show that school mental health works. This series is a podcast of the Coalition for Expanding School-Based Mental Health in Wisconsin, a statewide coalition with a mission to advance and support expanded, comprehensive, and integrated mental health services within the school setting through school, home, and community partnerships. My name is Carrie Jacobson. I'm the Director of Clinical Services at WellPoint Care Network and the co-chair of the Coalition Board. And I'm joined today by Katrina. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Katrina Johnson, and I'm a private practice therapist who stumbled upon school-based mental health. And one of the platforms that I uh, work from is just being persistent with an upstream approach. So as as we talk about the continuum, Carrie, you and I both being clinical, um, we can contribute to the best practices with schools by sharing that clinical lens. And you had, in our previous time talking, you had talked about um, the increase of referrals. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So our program, um, we've had a school-based mental health program for several years in a couple of different forms. Right now, we practice Uh, what we call our integrated mental health model, and we're in about 13 different districts and 35 different schools throughout southeast Wisconsin. Um, Our integrated mental health model really looks at that continuum of services, so we provide that universal level of training. Um, We provide small group consultations, sort of at that tier two level, and then we provide clinic-based therapy, individual therapy services at that tier three level. Um, In the last two years or so, we've seen a significant increase in the number of referrals, many of them due to the COVID experience, um, social isolation, and then returning to school and some of the challenges that have presented themselves in that return to school. Our integrated model really wanted to focus on making sure that mental health wasn't provided in a bubble, that there was common language within the school, that the that universal um, trauma-sensitive schools training or mental health training provided a, a language, a common language that we could utilize in our consultations and in successfully referring youth to our programs. We wanted to make sure that we could provide some observation and, and recommendations to teachers and staff so that they could help continue our mental health work. So help support treatment goals And we could help support the schools by providing some intervention suggestions, modeling some of those kinds of things in the classroom setting. So that's what we have seen. Katrina, can you tell us a little bit about the programs that you support? Yeah. So like like your highlight of your your discussion is you all have worked to get into the schools through providing trainings and individual one-on-one and consultation. And I think before you had said that the 
referrals increased by almost 300%. Correct. (laughs) And, uh, you know, with our clinical lenses, we're shifting while also holding tight to the clinical model. We're shifting to being able to infuse more efforts and support in the community model in schools. And that is what you've been doing with um, the training for teachers and being a point of contact to help school systems braid in the best practices of clinical mental health pieces. So five years ago, I I asked 12 schools to apply for a school-based mental health grant. And I was very frustrated that only one said yes. Mm. And then after that, I was really thankful, (laughs) very grateful that only one said yes, because we were able to create a really strong model and, um, start small. When we listen to these podcasts, a lot of it is about starting small mm-hmm. um, because there's a science to it. There's, it's not a business. It's a science of best practice that flows smoothly. Now um, we have about 18 schools wanting to be in on these school-based mental health programs. And what I have transitioned from from frustration and surprise to there is a significant amount of learning experience um, and equipping and empowering the schools and mental health providers to have that common language, mm-hmm. identify braided funding. And that's a lot of work. I think in Wisconsin, we have some silos of funding um, and with looking at the definition of a continuum, you have like three, three points. One is you're mentally healthy. One, you might have mental problems and one is mental, mentally ill. That's a continuum definition, but really the pandemic opened our eyes to practicing the people, places, and things leaning into the strengths that help us deal with the ups and downs of life. And I don't really love that word deal, but it's how do we respond, react, support ourselves in stressful situations? And that's mental, mental health. Um, So are schools reaching out more, uh, being more open-minded versus that crisis response piece? I think it's both. I think that continuum piece, um, there's been more interest in some of that early intervention and prevention model. So let's do mental health awareness campaigns. Let's have that language so people know how to talk about it. There's been some more conversation about, um, we've been doing some more mental health first aid training. So really helping people who are not in the field identify when there is a mental health need or a mental health crisis, and then helping people get to the right place. So I see some of that intervention and early intervention and prevention models happening. on the other end of the spectrum, we do crisis response as well. There continue to be significant things that happen in schools. Um, we work in a lot of schools uh, where there's community violence. And so we've responded to support some schools and some families through some of those experiences as well. So I think you're right. Um, we are trying to shift that, that language, that paradigm to everyone can benefit from mental health wellness. Uh, as well as helping people really identify when it rises to a higher level of need and then having the understanding and the resources to get them to the right place. 
think that's mm-hmm. been a challenge sometimes for schools and communities. There might be some fear around asking some of the questions because they don't know what to do then with the answer. So mm-hmm. hopefully some of the training and some of this conversation helps people understand where their resources are within their community, whether it's directly in their school or another provider, and how to help kids and families access those. You focus on the incorporation, that clinical lens, and the science of. I I have that hope for all of Wisconsin. The identifying prior to the pandemic, the uh, mental health screening that we were incorporating was um, successful and helpful. And for mental health screening versus behavioral health screening, it's it's a lot more clinical and it has the steps, and we use the steps like Fond du Lac Y screen. Um, there used to be a fear, like you said, schools would say, well, we can't do that. We're afraid of what we would find. Mm-hmm. And I used to settle on, settle on, I get that, and then August of 2020, the phone was ringing like it was mm-hmm. It was a high level and it hasn't stopped. So mental health screening, in, in our model with Connect Strength, I didn't name that before, but with the number of schools increasingly wanting to be involved with these school-based mental health grants, because that's how schools get money specifically earmarked for their plans, we have developed that Sources of Strength Foundation and then infusing readiness for mental health screening. So no longer shall we have fear <laughs> to mm-hmm. identify because not, not everyone then is actively needing a crisis response. And what's the problem of identifying? Nothing. What's the problem of not identifying? A whole gamut of things. So when we do mental health screening We find the strengths, talk about strengths. We find the areas that we need to provide some support for parents and the student and the school. And then a lot of psychoeducation. And people can Google psychoeducation, look up videos. But what that is is similar to what um, there was was the research of looking out for kids of, did you know that not sleeping for two weeks is a problem? (laughs) Did you know that having erratic, whatever, whatever, is a time to seek help. And that psychoeducation is, I hope, part of not only mental health screening, but integrated SEL in the classroom for everyday ups and downs. You have a a high level of resiliency and um, emotional strengths in what you might identify as kids dealing with a lot of mental health issues. And then you have just, you know, like an example, you have the kids that are straight A involved in everything, but perhaps they are dealing with a high level of performance anxiety and are just on the cliff of of an emotional dysregulated thing. (laughs) And having that incorporated and braided into the knowledge of the teachers, the culture of the school, we're just starting. We're just starting with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you look at the content of some of the social emotional learning for kids, um, you need to be able to, like what you do, Carrie, is provide the training and experience and reevaluation 
and accountability and permission for by the staff to be walking the walk and talking the talk themselves. You know, we saw a pivot from those school-based mental health grant monies um, only going towards student projects to then, um, we know teachers need it too. So mm -hmm. some of those grant um, activities and budget line items were pivoted towards staff mental health pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an area that we've seen uh, grow and had more conversations with schools about. We are supported by DPI grants in a couple of the schools that we work in, and they've utilized that that funding to support the consultation at that mid-tier level that isn't isn't um, reimbursable by insurance and it isn't necessarily like PD work. So they've used it there as well as to support some of the teacher pieces. Um, during an early parts of the pandemic, we were doing a lot of virtual services, a lot of support of the staff directly. So talking with pe with teachers about you know, what they were seeing when they had virtual classrooms and what kind of homes they were looking into and what their level of connectedness was with students that weren't in their schools. As kids have come back and teachers are all back, we've had more conversations about the super high level of expectation to get kids back to where they were um, educationally, academically, the pressure that's there, as well as you know, kids are coming back with a whole host of new challenges and social delays, emotional delays, uh, peer interactions, all of those things. And so we've spent more time working with teachers to support some of their own mental health needs, quite frankly, as well as the pressures of the teaching environment. The other place that we've focused a lot is that family involvement um, making sure that the families in the homes that the kids are in are stable and providing the resources that they need as much as possible. And if they don't have some of those basic needs met, it's really difficult to expect the family to meet mental health needs. So we want to make sure families have the resources to meet those basic needs that they have so kids can get those eight hours of sleep, so that they can come with food in their bellies, so that they can focus when it's time to do schoolwork. So we've tried to make sure that we maintain that family involvement, not just in the family therapy aspect, but also in the um, everyday needs and resources and, and making sure that those are met. You listed, you listed such important areas. And then, and then you have all the kids coming into the office with fevers or nausea yeah. and school, school delays and ice storms. Um, Following the money is just a theme I want to talk about for a minute in the state. We have shortages of subs. We have um, such a need for parent and community collaboration. And that is a whole pickle, right? Somewhere there's a fountain of youth of, of how to engage families. And mm -hmm. we still are. <laughs> but the, the beautiful thing is in Wisconsin, there are some, I call it smarty pants. I mean, there's some smarty pants persistent all you and I being a couple of them who are working to try to listen to the needs of school districts. And I help them identify the obstacles. You know, going back when I called 12 schools and said, do you want to do this? And only one said, yes, I now have a chapter one of obstacles. You know, what, what, where now after five years I have, I guess you'd call it that success stories piece, like you, how we introduced it. It mm -hmm. takes time. 
it takes time, but we are, we're moving forward by trying to listen to and start discussions with. I think the uh, work that's happening at um, Office of Children's Mental Health to bring together the peer-to-peer groups will eventually, over a course of time, create more momentum for the students to feel empowered. When I do trainings for sources of strength trainings with the kids, it's almost you know nine out of ten times somebody, some student at the end will raise their hand and say, "This will never work in in our school." And I kind of hit a wall of, "Oh, okay. Well, just tell them to call me because it it's supposed to work, and here's all the reasons why." But having the they call it admin buy-in, mm-hmm. um, all that will come with kind of this fountain of youth of finding how do we listen? How do we have discussions and learn with young brains that typically are not skilled in psychoeducation or typically aren't skilled in? These are the things going on in my body. And I'm going to translate that as a DSM-5 mm-hmm. <laughs> report to you. So I hope in Wisconsin that like, Carrie, you're, you're really seasoned in the clinical world and I'm pretty passionate about that clinical world is be able to create that common language of we are, we are going to begin to listen. And that, that helps just help that, that helps with the belonging and connection pieces for kids. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's an important place to start. We have to listen and listen to what they're telling us that they need without making the presumption of what they need. It's a good place to start. Cause if we go in and say, this is what we think you need, but it doesn't resonate with, with the school or with the community or with the kids, it can be a really great product, a really great program, but it's not going to work if we haven't listened first. I agree. And equipping them with the language of here's options A, B, and C, and D. Do any of those resonate with you? Do any Mm -hmm. of those make sense? And Mm -hmm. even second graders know what the word resonate means now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See, so we've made some progress. They've they've picked up a few of our our lingo. (laughs) Yeah. I um, think that's a good point, though, that, um, you know, we're in a lot of different places. We're in some, you know, downtown Milwaukee charter schools. We're in some suburban um, neighborhood schools. You might think that their needs are all very, very different, and they are to some extent. But the way we approach them is to start with that. We listen first. We look at what the information is telling us, what the families are telling us, the community is telling us. And then we work to develop the program around that. For each school, it is slightly different, but in many ways, there are common themes throughout. When we go on that paradigm shift for um, our Connect Strength model, we have included a really wonderful cinematographer, Sam Lee. And at first, I thought that was a little bit too fancy pants, right? And that was too much money. But actually, we we have harnessed positive messaging um, through our campaigns and doing professional videos with our regional retreats where we had 15 school districts come and the kids voices, the staff voices have been really, even though you're in the mix of it and you're, you're doing it when you listen to those, those uh, interview clips that they do, it's, it's so validating of how can we best listen to these people? Cause we all love when somebody produces their own video and they talk about mental wellness. Um, there's this there's this prevention, intervention, and postvention area where strengths can be braided in. 
And sometimes the inner the intervention and postvention is only seen seen as um, well. We can't talk about that because what would happen if we did? Mm-hmm. And the important mm-hmm. thing to remember is young brains t- are already talking about it. You know, if they're if they're not um, old enough to be on their social media pieces, the kids are already talking about it on their playground. And if they are old enough to have their social media pieces, they talked about it as soon as their eyes opened <laughs> in mm-hmm. the morning. So it, when there are things that happen, such as, you know, the overdoses, the, the community violence pieces, when we talk about it in a way that brings out our own human reaction of, that was hard for me, this is a strength I can lean in on my colleague, my dog, drinking more water because I'm just feeling stressed. That's as simple as it needs to be. But the kids need us to allow that to happen. As a clinician, I get to, we get, I get to see adults later in life that say, mm-hmm. that happened when I was young age and nobody talked about it. And it festers. and. Mm-hmm. So that permission to talk about it, we do more harm when we don't. Mm-hmm. But you do need right. to be able to open up the floor of how do you, what was your interpretation of that chapter? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think we've captured many of these pieces. I was looking back at the DPI framework for that continue, continuum of mental health services. And I think we touched on a lot of them. Um, the mental health supports, the collaboration with the community and the school, that needs assessment or assessing for family needs or student needs, um, the referral pathway, identifying how we get the kids to this to resources that they need or the families to the resources they need. Sustainability, we talked about that with budgeting and DPI grants and how we how we use those funds to help support this major growing need. Um, and I think we touched just a little bit on that data piece, you know, looking at the outcomes and looking at um, surveys to find out is is this what people want is this useful is this helpful to the community or do we need to adjust but i think you know without quite purposefully doing it i think we touched on most of the pieces in the continuum so mm-hmm. i feel like we've done a good job there <laughs> i like how you reviewed that so professionally good job <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you think we missed or anything more that you would like to add i'll go back to the words of follow the money the you know, I, I am, when we and the listeners are, are boots on the ground in the school, and I pop around to different schools, but the, the resources on the ground are so needed. Um, so I hope we can help get the resources to where we need it. And that's in the hallways and in the schools. And right now schools are trying to they're talking about their budget cuts because the interventionists have to be let go. The school nurse has to be let go. We need ratios that are appropriate for school social workers, school counselors, SEL, nurses. Or that academic goal is just going to be put on, a, put on a shelf and lost. We need those people there now. But let's... Mm-hmm take a a, a guidance and and, uh, that's, but that's the last thing that I'd like to share. And um. so I just wanted to, I mean, thank you. I think it was a good conversation. There are 
lots of opportunities, as you said. Um, I think the piece that I would like to encourage is that those people that are listening, if you're not already actively involved, to take a look at the website to see if there are ways to get involved in your in the mental health um, conversation and making sure that it's top priority because without it, the academic achievement can't happen. It's just not going to. We want to make sure that we keep working at school mental health because school mental health works. Looking forward to future episodes? Make sure to subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a rating so that others invested in better mental health for Wisconsin students can find us. We welcome your questions. You can find resources and learn more by checking out today's show notes and by visiting the coalition's website at schoolmentalhealthwisconsin.org. Until next time.